In this episode, we discuss all the news from the recent San Diego Comic-Con and D23 Expo, including Marvel's Phase 4, the CW's Crisis on Infinite Earths, an Obi-Wan series, the Orville's move, and Disney's newest animated feature. All this and more on The Geek Generation. Hey now, and welcome to the Geek Generation. I'm your host, Rob Logan, joined in the studio by Mike Volpe. Hey! And Paulo. What's up? Wow. <laughs> that, was a, that was a wind up for. I was going to say something, and then it, I don't know, like in my head, it sounded wrong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll just leave that right All there. Right. Uh, we are going to get into this episode a whole bunch of stuff that we have just kind of missed out on because we haven't put an episode out in a while. Uh, we're going to talk about all the news that came out of San Diego Comic-Con as well as all the stuff that they talked about at the D23 Expo, which, yeah. if people are unfamiliar, is the expo that Disney now has every year. And they basically added on a bunch of info to the stuff that they already talked about in San Diego, but then added on a bunch of stuff on top of that. So the big news, of course, that came out of San Diego Comic-Con was that Marvel basically walked up on stage and dropped like they did a while ago, dropped an entire timeline Mm -hmm. for phase four of the Marvel cinematic universe. Yeah. There's a ton of information. Yeah. And this time that stuff includes not only the movies, but also the TV show information, Mm -hmm. the Disney plus the Disney plus. And there's going to be a ton of that as well. I know there's so much stuff. Yeah. So much It's not, never mind just watching the movies. Now you have to watch the TV show to get the movie. Yeah. Yeah. There are some connections between these. I think some mm-hmm. of them you can kind of watch independently and yeah. just enjoy that way. But there's definitely some connecting threads through a lot of this mm-hmm. material. So the Marvel Studios panel at San Diego Comic-Con delivered in a major way with announcements for the bulk of Phase 4, including release dates and cast. So let's go through the movies first. The first one, and I'm not going to go in the order necessarily that they talked about them. I think i have them more in the way that they're releasing chronologically yeah that's better mm-hmm. yeah that makes more they, sense they did a weird arrangement like they talked about black widow last yeah because i think it's the next one up and maybe that's the note they wanted to end on but i have it first here because it's the first one we'll be seeing mm-hmm. uh black widow will arrive may 1st 2020 directed by kate shortland the film stars scarlett johansson as natasha romanoff david harbour as alexi Florence Pugh as Yelena, Rachel Weiss as Melina, OT Fan. Wait, God, what is this name? Is it OT Fanbangle or Figbangle? Fandango. I can't pronounce it. Let's just say that here, this person will be playing Mason. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> Which is very different. <laughs> Taskmaster has been confirmed as the villain of the upcoming sequel or prequel, prequel. not sequel, yeah. prequel. Uh, how do we feel about Black Widow? So this takes place after Civil War between, right? Civil. I think this I, takes place before Iron Man 2. Oh, I thought I read that this was happening af- between Civil War and something else. Maybe I'm wrong. I could have sworn could I read be. that. I, I think this is more of like an origin story uh, oh, for Black Widow yeah. and how, how she went through the training to become who okay. she is. Which is wild because Taskmaster is like a major villain. He is like I, I thus far, I've only really seen him in like the comic books and also in the 
the Spider-Man animated show. Mm-hmm. Like I know that he's one of the recurring villains on that show. He's in the video game as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. And like he's a decent like he's a decent villain for a Black Widow movie cuz he's not like he doesn't have these like superpowers. His thing is kind of like what is it? It's like the he can see somebody fighting and then mimic their he combat. He has or, something called like I'm I'm going to get the exact phrasing wrong, but it's like reflexive muscle memory where he can watch what you do Mm -hmm. and that's how he learns it yeah so he can like he can watch you fighting and then counter you Mm -hmm. like be your perfect counter yeah so like he's kind of like the the reverse mirror effect of whatever you're doing which i think for like black widow is great Mm because black widow is not like this like overpowered character she's very nuanced i mean she's a spy Mm -hmm. right so should make for great fight scenes oh absolutely yeah the fight choreography has to be on point for this to be good i think so i'm looking forward to it yeah just because black widow got i don't know what felt like charity airtime a lot of the times during Mm -hmm. the avengers because to be fair like she's like her her character wasn't necessarily a good fit for I would say like seventy five percent of the movie. Mm. Like she was good in uh, like she was good in Civil War, for example, because that was more of a like a and like Winter Soldier too, because it was, it was yeah. more of a, like an espionage movie. So yeah, they have to pick and choose who they can put her into combat with. Yeah, because you can't put her up against like Ultron even, right? Because like you would expect a character like that, like it just kind of messes with the context. Right, so. Ultron would just destroy her yeah laser yeah. to the face that's yeah. it like you know yeah I- i'll see it i'm not like super excited about it just because it's a prequel and you guys mm. know how i feel about prequels right. so. yeah. yeah we already know what the ending to all this is yeah so. like i kind of like, have... what what new information are you bringing to the table exactly you know i also have like reservations about david harbour because like i mean he, he was great in stranger things but mm-hmm. i mean i just saw him in the hellboy movie and like mm-hmm. kind of wasn't that great I, I wouldn't blame him for that, though. Oh, that wasn't necessarily him, you think? Well, I mean that his performance was him, mm-hmm. and I was fine with his performance. I just thought the movie was not good, mm. and I don't put that on him. I think he was fine as a Hellboy. If you take him out of that movie and you put him in a good Hellboy movie, mm-hmm. I think you have a completely different vision of him as the character. All right. We'll see. Eternals. Yeah. will arrive November 6th, 2020, directed by Chloe Zhao. The film stars Angelina Jolie as Thena, Richard Madden as Icarus, Kumail Nanjiani as Kingo, yeah. Salma Hayek as Ajax, Brian Tyree Henry as Fastos, Leah McHugh as Sprite, Lauren Ridloff as Makari, and Don Lee as Gilgamesh. I'm excited. Mad Asians. <laughs> a lot of top <laughs> mad Asians. Just Asian like sense. all of them. They're like, mm. pick one from each continent. <laughs> I'm like a Kumail stan, you know, forever. Same. Because, you know, yeah. I was with them from the indoor kids. And so every time I see him doing well, I'm like, yeah, that's like my You're guy, actually you genuinely know? happy like, for the guy. Like you're proud of him. Yeah. And then you're also like happy for him too. And like, I think Don Lee, the guy who plays Gilgamesh, he's like a big actor in Korea. Mm. Like, not just, like, a famous actor. He's big. Like, he's a big boy. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, um, like, you, like he's been in a lot of, like, cult hits that have made it to Netflix and stuff. And so I'm excited to see him, like, in an American movie. Just because I, I like him in, like, the stuff that he's done for Korea. So. Yeah. And then um, what's what's her face, too? Gemma? Gemma? Gemma, Gemma Chan? Uh, she, I think she's also in it, too. Yeah, we'll talk uh, about that when we get to D23. Okay. So, yeah, I'm, I'm Eternals sounds awesome. 
I don't know much about them from a comics perspective. Mm-hmm. I just know that they exist. Like, and this movie's also set right way in the past, isn't it? No, I think. Well, actually, I don't know. The Eternals were before everything. I thought they are immortals, though. Mm-hmm. So they could set it anywhere. Yeah. I don't know if they've really talked about. I don't think that it's ever been mentioned when the story for the Eternals takes place. I think you're right, though. Like, I think they've been in this universe the entire time. They just haven't acted for whatever right, reason. Yeah, I think the actual movie could span a long period. Yeah. And they could get away with it for mm-hmm. sure. Like, we could probably see, like, jump cuts of certain Avengers movies in, yeah. like, news headlines and stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. But not necessarily, like, Because have none these... of them are on Earth, right? They're just out in the space. There is one. Okay. On Earth, and we'll yeah. talk about that because okay. that's the person that yeah. Paul mentioned. But yeah, I'm I'm super pumped because there were rumors that Camille was going to be in this. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was having my eyes on, kind of throughout uh-huh. all these announcements. Because just yeah. like you, I don't know a ton about the Eternals; they're a deep cut for me. Yeah, but one, I'm excited because Camille's in it, and yeah, super fan of Camille. We mm-hmm. saw him uh, do comedy in Providence. Yeah few years ago mm-hmm. chatted with him after mm-hmm. the show and everything i've met him multiple times and just like you huge fan of a lot of the stuff he's yeah. done uh all the way back from franklin and bash <laughs> yeah yeah. And he's a nice guy he is yeah. he is so he absolutely deserves this yeah you like want to see him win i do yeah, yeah absolutely uh, this this movie reminds me of what like guardians were because i didn't exactly. know anything about the guardians mm-hmm. of the galaxy and i said i don't want to see that eh, i don't know them yeah. i'm just gonna see you know thor and then I saw the movie and went, that was like one of the best ones. Yeah. So I feel like this is going to be the same way. It's what I'm hoping for. And I yeah. like the fact that I know so little about them because I'm going in with zero expectations. Yeah. yeah. There's not, they could do anything. And I feel like this is probably the way that comic book movies are for the mainstream, for the people that don't mm-hmm. follow this mm-hmm. stuff yeah. as much as we have been our entire lives. Uh, you can kind of go in with a blank slate and whatever they do, as long as it's good, it makes you happy. We're not like comparing it to anything. Mm-hmm. Yep. I was looking up stuff on, on the Eternals just because I was completely unfamiliar. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the art styles that I've seen for the Eternals comics kind of like predate us, I think, for the most part. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. if you're in our age group between like the, your 20s and your 30s, even your early 40s, like I think the Eternals were more a part of the comics that kind of predate us. Because you can kind of see it in the art style, yeah. right? And so. And just looking into them, like their powers. I mean, I'm sure there'll be comic book, like comic book fans out there that'll correct me, but I just looking at like what they can do and like they're not like super flashy, mm-hmm. I would say, you know, like some of the names ring true because, like, for example, Gilgamesh is a real character in other folk tales, sure. right? But their, their powers aren't as flashy as like mm-hmm. healing factor in adamantium claws or guy who can shoot fire like that that stuff catches your attention so i think it's being more mature we will probably appreciate it a little bit more yeah because they will have to work through the nuance a little bit more Mm -hmm. and i think marvel's pretty good at that so and i I saw the uh banner that they had at san Diego comic-con of like all the characters and kind of like the costumes the concepts yeah yeah those look pretty awesome they look great yeah like i was like oh that's kind of cool like i would wear that every day if i was maybe a little (laughs) bit more flamboyant like you know what i mean yeah, they're more like uh, they're not like superhero costumes by any means. They're yeah. just kind of like almost drapery. They're like robish. Yes. Yeah, they've they've got like long flowing mm-hmm. bits. Mm-hmm. Like they don't look practical at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm into it though. Uh, Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings will arrive February 12th, 2021. 
directed by Destin Daniel Cretton. The film stars Simu Liu. Uh, Simu Liu as Shang. Thank you. As Shang-Chi, uh, Tony Leung as the Mandarin, the real one, right. and Aquafina as a currently unannounced character. Aquafina? Mm-hmm. Yeah. From the girl from Crazy Rich Asians. Oh, the bottle of water? Also a bottle of water. That's so probably see, I, so, where she parodied her yeah. like rap name from. I have, yeah. I have no idea who this character is or anything about him. The so, Ten Rings thing sound familiar because that was from the Mandarin. Iron Man. Yeah, the Ten yeah. Rings has been present, like yeah. the the faction of the Ten Rings or whatever mm-hmm. they called it has been present throughout the MCU. We had the fake version of the Mandarin. Yep. And then we had the quote unquote real version played by Guy Pierce. At least he claimed to be. Right. And I'm so glad they're retconning this yeah. and saying that they're actually doing a real Mandarin because the Mandarin is such a cool villain yeah. that they were kind of throwing out the window. And that upset me when uh-huh. I saw that. So I'm so happy they're doing an actual So you guys one. are familiar with this character? I'm not so much familiar with Shang-Chi. No. I'm familiar with the Mandarin, though. Yeah. Are you? So, like, I only know about Shang-Chi because growing up, there weren't, like, a lot of Asian-American, like, mm-hmm. superheroes. So, like, this was one of the few that kind of stood out, and you were like, oh, yeah, kind of cool. Like, somebody that looks like me who's also a hero. What is but, like, his, like, power? He's, he's a martial really artist. really good at martial arts. Okay. That's it. Like, he's not, like... So, he's a normal dude? Yeah, he's he, not, like, Iron Fist. Like, you know how, like, Iron Fist has, like, the power of the dragon or whatever in him, and he has, like, mm-hmm. the glowing fist, and he can punch shit really hard. But, like, the like Shang-Chi is just, like, he's really good at martial arts. Kind of like, like Bruce Wayne, almost. Like... He mm-hmm. trained a lot. Okay. And so he's like really good with like everything, like weapons and his hands and feet and whatever. Like he's very adept at like hand to hand combat mm-hmm. and like combat with weapons. So like it's again, it's kind of like a like a powered down hero that we're seeing mm-hmm. for the first time. Again, Marvel will have to work their nuance mm-hmm. and you know, but also the the ten rings of power, I mean, those are really second only to the infinity gauntlet yeah because like in terms of like things in the marvel the marvel comics universe yeah that governed a lot of like power mm-hmm. like it was like the infinity stones and the gauntlet and then the ten rings of power like, oh really the ten rings of power had to be like split up between all these different like factions so that they couldn't ever be brought together or mm-hmm. something and then like the mandarin had them at one point and he was like and at that point he was at the height of his power it was it was an interesting storyline in the comics. Are these ten rings something that they could be We're talking building? like ten physical oh, rings, rings yeah. that he, yeah. like he has one for each finger, yeah. and they all do something different. So is this something that could be like the next Infinity, Infinity Stone issue? Or I don't not know. That powerful I don't know if we're going to see that. him. I think it would be repetitive to do yeah. okay. like someone who's ser- searching for the ten rings the mm-hmm. same way that Thanos was searching for right. the Infinity Stones. And I don't think they would do that. I'm also a little concerned because, like you said, Shang-Chi doesn't have crazy abilities or something. So even though I believe the Mandarin is one of his arch enemies, the Mandarin is crazy overpowered compared to Shang-Chi. And yet Shang-Chi can still beat him. Like at least stand on par with him. Mm -hmm. So I think what I think something that they might do is somehow make the power not as easily controlled or something, Mm -hmm. you know, like how, you know, not anybody can wield the infinity gauntlet. You basically need to have like, like the Hulk's regenerative abilities or just be like Thanos where you can like Mm -hmm. contain all that power. I think it'd be something like that where they can maybe only wear like one or two rings at a time or something or, you know, like 
because Shang-Chi is not like a good, again, he's kind of like Black Widow in that he's not a good character to necessarily go up against like a celestial power. Right, right. So, but I think like I'm a fan of the guy who's going to play Shang-Chi, mm-hmm. Simu Liu. Like he's, uh, he has his biggest thing so far has been uh, like a show that's on Netflix now, but it's also on Canadian TV called Kim's Convenience. It's like a, like a sitcom, like a 30 minute. I actually sitcom. just heard about that for the first time the other day. Yeah. yeah. So like a lot of people are hearing about it now because they're like, oh, who's this guy, Simu Liu? And then they look him up and they find the TV show and they see it on Netflix. On the show, he's he's kind of just, you know, like your average 20 something. Like it's there's nothing remarkable about his acting ability in mm-hmm. the show, but he is very likable. That's mm-hmm. something that I think a lot of people have pointed out, like both on like social media, but also in uh interviews and articles about the actor. Well, he's very likable as a person. So hopefully that translates somehow. Yeah. So it's Marvel, so yeah, kind of. <laughs> I mean, I'm already going into it with an expectation that I will like it somehow. Sure. Mm-hmm. So I think this is also the corner of the Marvel universe where Fin Fang Foom comes from. Right, like right, there's right. a tie-in, yeah, in there directly with that character. And then I think they can also. I don't know if Fin Fang Foom ties in with Dormammu too. I'm not sure. Oh, if there's a connection that would make there. sense. Yeah. If you don't, do you know who Fin Fang Foom no. is? Basically, big dragon. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Big evil dragon. And I'm very excited if we get to see him on the big screen. <laughs> It'll be kind of cool. Yeah. It'll be like a better version of uh, the dragon from the Hobbit movie. What is he called? Oh, Smaug. Yeah, Smaug. Oh, Smaug. It'll be like Smaug, but like Smaug. maybe like he'll look like I, I, I remember Fing Fang Foom being like kind of like a mannish dragon mm-hmm. not like you know four legs and wings dragon right like he was kind of he walked on his hind legs oh. and he kind of like fought people like a dude like so yeah fing fang foom not just a cool name but also like a. I thought it's kind of what they were hinting to in the defenders mm-hmm. when they kept talking about like a dragon skeleton and stuff yeah and i was super disappointed <laughs> <laughs> i just i want to see fin fang foom yeah it'd be super exciting Doctor Strange in the yeah. Multiverse of Madness will arrive May 7th, 2021, directed by Scott Derrickson. Again, the film stars Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange and Elizabeth Olsen as Scarlet Witch. Mm. Derrickson claims it will be the first scary MCU film and the events of the Disney Plus series WandaVision will tie directly into it. Very cool. I, I like that they're pairing these two together. Yeah. Yeah. I think their power their powers kind of mesh. Yeah, like fantastical, mystical, mm-hmm. and then the like sort of the girl that can do anything sure. kind of thing. Yeah, kind of like the Jean Grey of this universe. Her almost. powers are very inexplicable. Yeah, yeah. And I read it like there was like uh, after the announcements of you know the Doctor Strange movie and the Wandavision show kind of tying into it. Mm-hmm. I read a pretty good article. I think it was on it was on one of like the Gizmodo Kotaku website types where they were like just a reminder like like scarlet witch is actually a bad person true because like in the comics she's the one that kind of she can manipulate reality on a level that i mean i think she's an omega level yes right she is so she just one day decides like no more mutants and then like it she completely changes the fabric of the comic universe and so like it kind of it's like a reminder that like even though the cinematic universe is kind of painting her as this sympathetic character who's also very strong like Mm -hmm. she can also kind of turn it on its head and even if she just makes a mistake right so i think i think that's might that might be what they're going for maybe with multiverse of madness because like the multiverse to create that you would need like a significant power Mm -hmm. right right and then for somebody with maybe as little experience as her with that power 
I mean, I can see that going badly mm-hmm. yeah. pretty quickly. I have some theories about how this will tie in that I will probably talk about more when we start talking about WandaVision in mm-hmm. a little bit. But yeah, there's it's interesting to see her in there. Um, Derrickson, too, when he was originally brought in to direct the first Doctor Strange, people were particularly excited because he has a predominantly horror background. Mm-hmm. So he definitely downplayed that in the first one, but it seems like they're leaning in. Yeah. And I... I know that it's not necessarily Marvel's brand to have horror as like a cornerstone of a movie, mm-hmm. but also, I mean, I think because it is something new, they have a lot of opportunity to work there. Mm-hmm. So I don't particularly like horror. I don't at all. Um, I, I enjoy sleep. Yeah. <laughs> and I have a very overactive imagination. Yeah. So like, but they're going to want kids to see this too. Yeah, I don't so think I don't they're think, going gore. No, they're going like jump scare. Yeah. yeah jump maybe. Scare. Uh, in in Spider Man, where you'd see, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, like like that, like that. Yeah, I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, I you know, know what I mean. mean. I like, know what you mean. You see gruesomeish, like oh, like mm-hmm. yeah, just kind of make you shiver in your seat. Yeah, scenes. I think that's the kind of horror, horror, quote unquote. I can't imagine we're leaning into blood guts. No, not in a Marvel movie. I don't think that would be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just kidding. Thor, Love and Thunder. Yeah. What a great title, yeah. by the way. I like the artwork for it. Yeah. Will arrive November 5th, 2021. Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson are returning as Thor and Valkyrie, with Taika Waititi once again directing. More excitedly, Natalie Portman will also return as Jane Foster and will become the female Thor. Oh. Somebody the mighty knew she should have stuck around. I think so... There was a little bit of not a burnt bridge, but I think Natalie Portman wanted nothing to do with Jane anymore Mm -hmm. because they never really gave her anything. Yeah. But if you go and say, hey, (laughs) you're going to be the mighty Thor. Yeah. uh, Okay. Got it. Well, I think the first did the first movie come out before they public they started publishing Mighty Thor as with Jane Foster as Thor. I think that Thor already existed, yeah. Okay. Because, like, I mean, I think it's a great opportunity because you're coming off of Endgame, like, Thor's already kind of given up. Mm-hmm. Like, he's like, eh, I'm just going to go hang out with the Guardians. So, at this point, Grab he's Grab a more, galactic burger and fries and call it a day. Yeah. He's not mighty Thor. He's just Thor Odin's son mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah. Now, we have a universe where both Stormbreaker and Mjolnir exist, right? So... It's a good opportunity, I think. You saw with like that one scene in Endgame that like Marvel is really trying to like push towards yeah, having more yeah. female oriented heroes. Mm. And uh, I mean, the Thor one, it's already in the comics. It, it was released to like loud acclaim. Like people were very excited about it. It was the one of the big announcements of the panel yeah. that we were going to see female Thor. Yeah. And I think it's good. I think Natalie Portman is a great actress. Mm-hmm. Um, is that what they call the character, female Thor? Her name is Thor, yeah, still, just Thor. which is the only kind of dumb thing about it. Yeah. But it's what the hammer says. Right. You possess the power of Thor. Yeah. I think in the comics, they in the comic releases, they distinguished her from Man Thor as being she was Mighty Thor. Right. And the, so, yeah, the title of the comic became the Mighty Thor. Yeah. Gotcha. But, I mean, I think what we're going to see is basically, like, 
I don't know what they're going to do with Chris Hemsworth character, whether they're going to call him Odin's son and then call Jane Foster Thor, or if they're just going to stick with Jane. Or- I don't think they're going to call Jane Foster Thor at all because their their whole need for secret identities mm-hmm. just really isn't there. Mm-hmm. So I really think they're just going to call her Jane. Jane. Do you wonder if this is some sort of passing of the torch? Like he'll do this movie and exit. And allow her to be. I don't think he's looking to get out of this no. anytime soon. Yeah, I, like I think he was. I mean, I remember reading an article or two where he was like, "As long as Taika Waititi is interested in being a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, that he's more than willing." I think they had a really good relationship after Ragnarok. Yeah, and so any if Taika's in, then then Chris Hemsworth gotcha. is in, and Ragnarok took the direction, uh, the character in a direction that yeah. he really liked and really wants to see keep going i wouldn't want to see him leave i think he's great i also think natalie portman has an opportunity here i just you know after the first two thor movies we never thought we'd see funny thor right and then funny thor actually happened and then was great yeah so now with that precedent in mind lady thor is probably going to be great too so Mm -hmm. i have no sort of doubts about it i'm very excited to see the dynamic between them now Oh, yeah, now that they're kind of on the same power level. That and the fact that they've kind of been out of touch for a while. And yeah. he had his whole rant and endgame and right, stuff. Right, right, I'm right, very right. excited to see this work itself out. It's going to be snarky as hell. <laughs> One thing I'm curious about is whether or not they'll actually give her cancer, though. Because like that's oh, kind of right. like in the in the Mighty Thor, yeah. she has like she's really sick. Mm. But then she gets the power of Thor. And then she's while she wields that power, she's completely fine. Mm. I mean, not completely fine. She's superpower right yeah right but then the moment she like kind of turns it off by like putting mjolnir down or like whatever you know the deactivation thing is then she becomes cancer-ridden and sickly and so it's an interesting sort of dynamic between going from rock bottom to like Mm -hmm. god figure right it'd be great to put in the movie yeah i don't know if it fits as well into the current tone of thor like it feels like that would take like at least an hour to sort of explain yeah oh yeah jane was off getting cancer treatment like that's i would prefer they don't just because it's kind of a bummer yeah one it's a bummer and it's just it's i don't know it just doesn't i I don't feel like it gels not necessary yeah yeah all right moving on to the disney plus series Mm -hmm. which are also of course still within the uh cohesive mcu the Falcon and the Winter Soldier will arrive on Disney Plus in August 2020 and sees the return of Anthony Mackie as Sam Wilson and Sebastian Stan. Details are still under wraps, but the series will run for six episodes on the streaming service. So they're not dragging it out or anything. I kind of like that do too. because mm-hmm. it's just going to be very tight, very consumable. And a lot of the speculation based especially on the logo is that it's going to be about Sam's journey into really taking on the mantle of mm. captain america and yeah. maybe society accepting it yeah i'm kind of excited to see like a marvel branded tango and cash yeah because that's kind of <laughs> what this feels like sure, you know sure. like a buddy cop movie but with powered individuals mm-hmm, um yeah. and i think they had a you know they had a really good chemistry in i think it was civil war yeah, yeah. i think that's the way the series happens yeah Absolutely. i think i i if as long as you can continue that and sort of weave in the drama of like a former espionage spy and a a war veteran turned like national hero. Mm-hmm. If you can weave that all together somehow, make it like a cohesive show. I think it's going to be a really good uh, six episode yeah, series. Agreed. 
WandaVision, like we previously mentioned, will arrive on Disney Plus in spring 2021 and sees the return of Elizabeth Olsen as Scarlet Witch and Paul Bettany as the Vision. Wait, what? How? (laughs) Uh, Tayona Paris joins the cast as the grown-up Monica Rambo, who appeared as an 11-year-old in Captain Marvel. So that little girl that we saw in Captain Marvel will Mm -hmm. be grown up. Uh, in this, mm-hmm. Kevin Feige confirmed the events of the series take place after Avengers Endgame. Wait, what? Okay, so we have to talk about it because if you haven't seen Endgame, this is a lot of stuff that you probably don't want to know about. Anyway, hey, you've had some time. You've had plenty of time. If you haven't seen it by now. Yeah. I've seen it. Where are you? <laughs> so obviously Vision is gone. Yeah. And yet vision is here and there's a lot of theories and a lot of speculation about how that happens one being kind of what you said scarlet witch has the ability to alter reality what she could also do if she's not straight up conjuring a new vision is what she could be doing is creating almost a pocket dimension or pocket universe where she gets to escape from maybe the reality she can't handle where there is no vision Mm -hmm. and she's struggling and go into this pocket dimension be with a version of the vision that she has conjured and she's kind of like living in her own brain almost. Yeah. It would also explain the time jump to why we have an, a, a grown up Monica Rambo. Uh, and there's also some, I don't know if it's rumor or if people have confirmed there are like set photos and concept art of them being almost like the forties or fifties. And maybe that's like, she's pulling them into a TV show or something almost like based on something maybe they like together or so I think she's creating a separate universe, a separate multiverse that will come back around and weave them into the Doctor Strange movie by the end. Yeah. And Doctor Strange comes out after this. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. I don't we, necessarily I thought we were going in order. So I said, wait a minute. The This is just series. Okay. Yeah. So I separated those. So Monica Rambeau. Her age, her as an adult makes sense, right? Because Captain Marvel happens in the 90s. Yeah. And if this happens after Endgame. Okay, I wasn't even thinking about that, but yeah, you're right. She's an adult, so yeah. that kind of makes sense. But the the idea that Vision is still around kind of doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. One thing that kind of piqued my interest when I heard about this, the, the sort of plot synopsis of WandaVision is that I remember in Infinity War, when they're trying to separate the Mind Stone from Vision, mm-hmm. Shuri kind of says at one point, it's like, we might be able to have vision without the mind stone. We right. just don't know. And obviously the delicate process of separating the two was upended by the conflict and Thanos just kind of straight up ripped it out of his head. Mm-hmm. So I can see a reality where, you know, maybe vision somehow survives that or gets a new body. She almost know. breathes new life into him. Yeah. Somehow, yeah. you know, like, it's very like I don't know, like the idea that she creates pocket dimensions, and then that's going to be a lot for people to kind of digest, especially yeah. if they're just if they're not like deep into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know, what true, I mean? yeah. Like people are going to watch it and be like, I don't get it. They might you simplify know? things a bunch. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Loki will arrive on Disney Plus in spring 2021 and sees the return of Tom Hiddleston as Loki, of course, the god of mischief. However, this is the version of Loki that escaped from the past in Avengers Endgame. So he hasn't gone through the same growth of the Loki that we've watched before. So for people that saw Endgame, of course, this is another spoiler. uh, There's a scene where the Avengers go back to 
the events of the first Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. They encountered the Loki that was there that was still the villainous, like, conquer the world kind of Loki. And he disappears with the Tesseract. That Loki is the one that this series is centered on. There is some talk of, like, time travel here as well. So he'll be jumping not only times but places and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So this... We don't know a ton about it aside from that fact. It's probably just going to be a purely chaotic series, which yeah. supports the character. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't have any doubts about this show. I mean, Tom Hiddleston is great. Marvel has a track record. So the thing I didn't like a whole lot was the logo for the, the logo Loki looks show. bad. Jesus Christ. It looked like somebody with like first grade Photoshop skills. It's like, like a nah. ransom note. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like threw together a bunch of like elements that you would see that you would associate with Loki and they'd be like, Here's the new thing. And then people are like, we don't have any time. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a mess. What if will arrive on Disney Plus in summer 2021 as the MCU's first animation? Jeffrey Wright will voice the Watcher among a huge cast of MCU actors reprising their roles. Like the comics, the animated anthology series will explore how the MCU might have unfolded if key moments in its history had not occurred as they did in the canon. I think one of the examples they gave and which actually might be the first episode is like, what if Peggy Carter was Captain America? Yeah, I think I saw that, too. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited for this. Yeah. Oh, I'm super I love pumped what for if this. Stuff. Yep. So um, this guy that I follow on Instagram, I think everybody knows about him at this, at this point. His name is Boss Logic. Mm-hmm. He does a lot of like the photoshops. He actually was like, I think he was contracted to disney and marvel to like make stuff for infinity war or endgame or both i'm not sure he he did work for them anyway when he heard about the what if series like for straight up for a month he was just like what if and he would just like photoshop some like a whole bunch of like scenarios that could play out and as the month wore on they kind of got a little bit more crazy Mm -hmm. but one of the ones that was kind of cool was like what if captain america was actually captain hydra Mm. and bucky barnes became captain america cool which is like kind of like you know a reversal of the story and it kind of makes sense in like the whole timeline but as the like i said as the month wore on some (laughs) of the photoshops got a little wild he started incorporating like uh, storylines from the comics that didn't necessarily make it to the cinematic okay. universe, like zombies, like oh, the Marvel, Marvel zombies. zombies. Yeah. And then like there was another one. He just made like every major character as Ghost Rider, which was fucking awesome. <laughs> it was like Captain that's America cool. Ghost Rider was yeah. like, whoa, that's fucking sweet. But yeah, the What If series, I think, and it works well with animation because mm. obviously like to do what they want to do with that is, mm. I mean, it would just be like an entirely different movie. But the one thing I'm scared about with this is just the animation studio that they choose because mm-hmm. Marvel does not have a great track record of choosing no. the best ones. Yeah. But if, if the animation studio is good and I have no doubt the stories will be good, then this is going to be an awesome show. Yeah. I think the animation will definitely have to be. Is it for an adult audience? I don't know. I think it's kind of the same tone as the MCU movies. So I think it's kind of that mid ground. Okay. So yeah, they would have it couldn't be the current stock of Marvel Animation Studios cuz like True. those ones that you see on Netflix like for Spider-Man and the Avengers are kind of like like you see it and you're like I see what you're doing here, it's serviceable, but Jesus yeah. Christ, like please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought exactly. Hawkeye will arrive on Disney Plus in fall 2021 and sees the return of Jeremy Renner as Clint Barton slash Hawkeye. It said the series will explore more of his time as Ronan. His protege, Kate Bishop, will also be introduced in the series, though no casting has yet been announced for that role. I like Ronan. Ronan's great. Yeah. Because he's like, he just doesn't give a fuck. 
I love it. Like he just kills people. So and it's to be set in that time period of that five years ish. I think so. It sounds like, like it, yeah. that's when he becomes. Okay, yeah, so they right? they give you a little bit. They give you a taste, but no real story as to how, how he became that and yeah, everything else he did. Yeah. It's probably one of the only places we're gonna see more of what that five years looked like. Yeah, yeah, because we don't get really a taste of it at all. No, I mean you just kind of are forced to accept that that the world is just completely gone to shit. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, to see it being explained from the eyes of who I think is probably one of the more sympathetic characters in the MCU. Totally. Yeah. Having lost everything will be a nice sort of change of pace. You know, you'll see the action, but then you'll also be able to empathize with the character. Yeah. Like yeah, it's, it's amazing that that character didn't just eat a bullet. <laughs> like when you really think about yeah. it, there were so many times they you were know? going to kill him off. Yeah. And they always ultimately decided not to. No, but like, especially in the five year jump, like right. his entire family was erased mm -hmm. for him to go on a killing spree and only direct that energy towards criminals is like a minor act of God, because like, <laughs> just like for right. anybody to lose that much and then somehow still be sympathetic somehow. Yeah. Still function. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I'm excited. Outside of those projects, these weren't direct announcements about upcoming dates or anything, but there were some additional tidbits that they let slide at the panel. Probably the biggest one of all, Mahershala Ali has been confirmed as the MCU's Blade. No right. other details were confirmed other than that casting. Yeah. And that is pitch freaking perfect. Yeah, I great. saw so much anger and hate that Snipes wasn't. Which I, I, I'm just saying, like, it just yeah, blows my mind. I know. Why can't people, people just are go, cool? <laughs> Everything I saw was just so yeah. hate filled. And I'm like, what the hell I is get the it. problem? Snipes had his run as Blade. And that was in the 90s. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Mahershala Ali is a friggin' Oscar-winning actor. Yeah. He is incredible in yeah. everything I've seen him in. And I and he wanted this. Like, he approached them with this. Uh-huh. And I'm so excited about Wait, that. Is this going to be a movie or a series? We don't know. Oh, they haven't said. We don't that. know. Oh, we just know it's happening. Yeah, I, I would guess movie. But like he's gonna. I ugh. think Blade is going to kick off Phase Five, right? Mm -hmm. That would make sense. So I know there was. I like. I saw that very same sort of vitriol towards Mahershala because Wesley Snipes wasn't the one selected. But then Wesley Snipes came out on Twitter and was like, "Congrats, brother! Yeah, yeah, like, so, I want to see you do big things. Like, I'm happy for you." It's like. The guy who you are angry about mm -hmm. is has obviously moved on. Yeah. I can see there being an opportunity where they work him back in somehow as like a mentor. Maybe Mahersha Ali is not the blade, but is like the successor blade or something. I don't know. Like that they don't have any precedent for that in the comics, but right. you know, the MCU sure. kind of operates on its own timeline. So who knows? But yeah, Mahersha Ali is fucking amazing. He is. As Copperhead in the in <sighs> In Luke he's, Cage? He's the first MCU person that was confirmed to play another role within the MCU. Mm -hmm. Really? Because, yeah, he was Copperhead. Yeah. And even though it was the Netflix MCU, that was still the MCU. Yeah. He was amazing in that yeah, show. he really like, was. The, this, the episodes that he was in, I was like, this is the best villain mm -hmm. that we've had. Hands down. Undoubtedly. Like, yeah. Now also going to be introducing vampires into the MCU. Yeah. Yeah. And Which so. be great. Yeah, and also like to bring Boss Logic back into this, he did a Photoshop right after they announced at San Diego Comic Con of Mahersha Ali as Blade. I was like, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> I'm so I'm so excited for this. Of of all the things they announced, I was like, oh my god, like that one. Not just the fact that Blade's coming back, but the fact that they got Mahersha Ali mm -hmm. for it. Like that's why I have no look. I loved Wesley Snipes as Blade. Sure, mm -hmm. this is 
this is next level. Like, this is yeah. so good. This and the other thing, too, is they didn't select Wesley Snipes because they weren't looking for anybody. Mm-hmm. Blade was not on their radar to bring back. He went to them and was like, I really want to play Blade. And they were like, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> you have an Oscar-winning actor approach you and be like, hey, I want to be this character that we already know is super successful. Yeah. Okay. And no it kind brainer. Of, like, it works into the whole, like, Doctor Strange in the, you know, the multiverse being kind of like the first horror movie. Mm-hmm. It kind of weaves that sort of thread into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So now you can introduce mm-hmm. vampires, then who knows, you know? Yeah. Feige also confirmed the development of several sequels on the way, including Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Black Panther 2, Captain Marvel 2, as well as casually dropping the name of the Fantastic Four, which people went nuts for. Just a casual drop. Casual drop. Before he was done, he also mentioned that there was, quote, no time left to talk about mutants. Oh. Yeah. Which means we're probably not going to see anything going on with the X-Men in Phase 4. But it's on the radar. I think it makes sense to give them a little breathing room before. Maybe the end of phase five or yeah. beginning of six. It'll happen. Yeah. Like, I think phase four opens up a lot of doors. Mm-hmm. Like, just the word multiverse, it just gives you so many options. It does. You've already played with time. Now you're playing with, like, realities. It's just, like, now phase five is wide open for you to do things that you want to do in a way that makes sense. Mm. And so... I don't know how much more excited I can be about MCU stuff yeah. because like every time they announce something, you're just like, yeah. And yeah. then they're like, but wait, there's more. And then you're like, yeah. And it's like, at some point you have to reach a sort of like, like critical velocity of yeah. your excitement. <laughs> like it just has to like stop going up at some point. My body right? can only handle so much. Yeah. Like we're just not equipped as human beings to handle that much <laughs> excitement about things. Yeah. So I think maybe they'll just, uh, you know, they understand that and they're going to like, let things move forward and then somewhere in the middle of phase five yep. you'll see like wolverine claws pop out of like a poster and then everybody will just lose their fucking everybody minds. just craps and then marvel will just make billions of dollars for the next like <laughs> hundred years yeah at d23 they revealed even more details about upcoming marvel projects so at first some of the ones that they talked about are already as well as introducing some new ones so some additional stuff for eternals Kevin Feige has confirmed that both Kit Harrington and Gemma Chan have also joined the cast of Eternals. Harrington will portray Dane Whitman, a.k.a. the Black Knight. In the comics, Whitman is a descendant of Sir Percy of Scandia, the Black Knight in King Arthur's court. A key member of the Avengers during the 80s and 90s, the Black Knight wields the Ebony Blade, a cursed sword which has been passed down his family for generations. While Chan previously portrays this is another person going from one MCU role to another, uh, Chan previously portrayed the Kree warrior Minerva in Captain Marvel, and Eternals should be playing Cersei. In the comics, Cersei is often the leading female Eternal, and she openly embraces humanity. Unlike her fellow immortals, she lives among humans and doesn't isolate herself. She also joined the Avengers during the 90s and formed a romantic bond with the Black Knight. It wasn't really a big stretch for Marvel to be like, all right, Kit Harrington, you're going to play a guy with a sword. Yeah. And he's going to be named the Black Knight. And I know you wore a lot of black in Game of Thrones. So this is going to be a good fit. Perfectly on brand. What if he just wore like his Night's Watch uniform? I'd buy it. Like, that's it. Like, 
He just <laughs> they stepped straight on that he actually was the Black Knight the entire like he's, time. Like the Black Knight, like Jon Snow yeah. is whatever that guy's name is <laughs> from the, and he just completely seamlessly walks into the MCU. Yeah, I'm not familiar super much with either of those characters. Yeah, I've seen the Black Knight in passing here and there. Yeah, I remember he had a cool sword. That was it. Oh yeah, yeah. So that's cool to see. <laughs> it also gives us the connective tissue between. Uh, the Earthbound stuff uh-huh. and the Eternals themselves with Cersei. Yeah. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Emily Van Camp, will return as Sharon Carter for the series. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Also, Wyatt Russell will appear as U.S. Agent. In the source material, U.S. Agent was originally a Captain America villain who later became a hero and was elected to the position of Captain America by a committee. Hmm. So he's probably going to be a villain within the series if i had to guess maybe angry for some reason that he's not the successor even yeah, though he had yeah. nothing even though he's like just appearing for the first time he could have been like one of those background things that we just didn't see and all of a sudden he's like ticked off that sam is taking the mantle also has the most generic name u.s agent i mean captain america is also just is. as generic that would so. be funny though if he was u.s agent but he had like a russian accent <laughs> i am u.s agent i assure you uh some more wandavision stuff cat dennings and randall park will reprise their mcu roles for wandavision dennings played darcy lewis in both thor and thor the dark world Park played FBI agent Jimmy Woo in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Two random plucks from different places to throw into this. Feige also announced that Catherine Hahn would be joining the cast in a role described as a nosy neighbor that's stirring up trouble. Kat Dennings and Randall Park, like you think about the parts that they played and the type of actors that they are. Mm-hmm. I think it's like a nice dose of humor, I think, to kind of cut maybe the seriousness of whatever what will happen in WandaVision. Sure. So... Ms. Marvel, a series centering on Kamala Khan, a.k.a. Ms. Marvel, the first Muslim superhero to headline their own solo series at Marvel Comics. Her identity as a Pakistani-American living in a religious family in New Jersey whilst trying to find her own way has been a major focus of the stories. Her powers have been described as polymorphous, meaning she has the ability to stretch and change her shape. Kevin Feige confirmed that you'll see her in her series first before she enters the broader MCU. A lot of connective threads there. Like if you have like a guy or a a hero who can stretch, Mm -hmm. can you also stretch that out to the Fantastic (laughs) Four, a Pakistani superhero in New Jersey, Kumail's Pakistani, who knows? Like, you know, like there's a lot of these connective threads that I think that's one thing Marvel's really good at. Like they're really good at sort of connecting their weaving like certain elements of their story together. They connect all the dots is what they do. They do. They do. I think it's but unavoidable. A lot of people don't. That's yeah, the problem. Yeah, yeah. You watch so many movies and you're like, Wait, this is so all many part of loopholes. And yeah. they didn't finish this. Like, this is supposed to be a cohesive universe. Why aren't we connecting the dots? They actually mm-hmm. are able to do it. And Marvel does it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in addition to a Ms. Marvel series, they also announced one that people have been waiting for for a while, whether it be a movie or a series. Moon Knight. Mm-hmm. Moon Knight is the vigilante alter ego of mercenary Mark Spector. But it's actually more complicated than that. Spectre also has a couple of other alter egos, millionaire Stephen Grant and cab driver Jake Lockley, that may or may not be separate alternate personalities, and the same may be true of Khonshu, the Egyptian deity who is either guiding Spectre through his costume adventures or a figment of his imagination. 
In recent years, another persona has emerged, Mr. Knight, a police consultant who dresses in all white and wears a mask while solving unusual crimes. I'm not super familiar with Moon Knight, except for the fact that people often compare him to Batman Mm -hmm. in what he does as far as a vigilante goes. If I recall correctly, he has some mental health issues, and these personalities are all like split personalities. Yeah, so I think Moon Knight had a couple of comic book runs during the time that I was a collector and a reader, Mm -hmm. which was in like the late 80s, 90s, and into the 2000s. So he had a couple of runs there where I kind of picked up on the story. And I remember thinking, like, I'm confused. But I think that confusion was the inability to understand sort of like mental health and mental illness and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so that does play a part in the story that is at times a little confusing because Mm -hmm. like any with any story where you have multiple personalities, you're kind of like juggling, you're throwing balls up in the air. Like, Oh, who is he now? And who is like, which one is the one that I want him to be at this specific time? But um, yeah, after they announced Moon Knight, Keanu Reeves, name had been thrown out there Mm -hmm. as being, you know, one of the candidates for Moon Knight. I think it'd be kind of cool. I think he's, I don't know if he's a, a good enough actor to play, you know, a guy with like several personalities because you kind of see Keanu Reeves as like one person for any given movie. Yeah. He's never like the sort of multifaceted Mm -hmm. person. Right. So, I mean, not to shit on Keanu Reeves. No, not at all. It's just usually the characters he plays are like a certain trope. Like he plays within a single range. Like it's never like too dynamic at all, but yeah, Keanu Reeves. I know, like, he wants to get into the MCU. Mm-hmm. Like, he's said it on several occasions, and just he's looking for the right part. Yeah. I don't know if Moon Knight would be the right part. It could be. Yeah. But we shall see. Yeah. Uh, the series that I'm probably the most excited for, aside from What If, is She Hulk, mm-hmm. aka Jennifer Walters, an attorney and cousin to Bruce Banner, whom she acquired her powers from after receiving a blood transfusion. The last major character co-created by Stan Lee, her original comic series ended after two years. She then became a member of both the Avengers and the Fantastic Four, as the character developed more of a distinct personality from her male counterpart, gaining a stronger sense of humor and intelligence and deciding that she preferred being super strong and green permanently, or at least as much as possible. So unlike the regular version of the Hulk, She-Hulk, is almost always in Hulk form Mm -hmm. and doesn't have that like animalistic aggressive, like I'm (laughs) she's just her still just stronger and faster and all that stuff. And she, she really doesn't change back and forth. She kind of just stays as she Hulk. She's like professor Hulk, but yeah, professor Hulk Esquire, whatever. Right. Yeah. Like she never kind of falls out of that. And I think that was a big appeal for the, of the character in contrast to Hulk, I think, because mm-hmm. you just got Hulk smash and Hulk do this and, you know, Hulk talk in consonants only. Yeah. Like, you know, like it, like it just at some point you get tired of that and then yeah. you just want to see somebody who's strong, but you can also kind of relate to a little bit, you mm-hmm. know, at least as a human being. And so, like, I, I remember enjoying She-Hulk because I like I think her comic book run during the 90s just happened to coincide with my puberty so it was just like oh she's so fucking hot you know like Mm -hmm. but then like you know learning later that you know she has this personality and she's fucking hilarious is i think yeah there was a big comedic thread through yeah like comics like she's super sarcastic yeah i think like depending on who's writing her at any given time but she does have a good healthy sense of humor and Mm -hmm. it's also very sarcastic and it, it kind of is sort of like 
attorney like like her sort of personality is very much the type of personality that you would see in you know attorneys minus the depression and mm-hmm. crippling alcoholism <laughs> yeah. and things like that so yeah it's, it's, i'm i'm excited she's the type too that would throw on a suit and go to court yeah like mm-hmm because her identity is so public mm-hmm. and people know like Bruce Banner is the Hulk in that universe and everything and they know her and how she got her powers and everything she's just like yeah okay I'm going to work and yeah. she's just hulked out the whole time like in court arguing a case and I think that's great because like it's it's very it's it's a it's a good role model for kids it's mm-hmm. just be who you want be who you are yeah like don't try to hide it. it's kind of like the mystique sort of uh, yeah. thread from the X-Men movies where she's just like why aren't you a mutant all the time I'm just like, you know, like why and would you, always yeah. change into a human form. Right. And we were like, what the hell? You like, were <laughs> you, this is, not practicing what you preach. It doesn't make any sense. But yeah, like she Hulk is the very much the opposite of that. Yeah. Where she's just like, but why? Yeah, this is yeah. me. This is the better version I'm of me. Why not? Awesome. Like, <laughs> yeah. Look at me, you know? So I think it's a good I think it, it'll be a great story. I think it'd be good for kids. It'll be mm-hmm. good for adults, too. Yeah. Lastly, as far as Marvel goes for now. Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige and director Ryan Coogler announced that Black Panther 2 is set to be released on May 6th, 2022. Mm. Feige confirmed that a treatment has been turned in by Coogler for the sequel, but details about plot or an official title were not given. So we got a, a lot while. of the there's a lot of rumors about this movie just yeah. because like there's not a lot of news out there. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the big ones is that Namor might be I've heard the, that one, yeah. the villain of the movie. Um, they kind of introduce it in Endgame. Like, uh, I forgot. There was they, a mention of like tectonic plates shifting and stuff. There's like an earthquake underwater off the coast of Wakanda. And then they were like, oh, the way that you deal with it is that you don't. Right. Sort of implying that maybe this is there is something going on and that Wakanda has had a conflict with Atlantis in the past. Mm -hmm. They know of each other. They just kind of like stay away, Mm -hmm. even though they're very close in terms of, you know, where they're located. I think Henry Golding, the guy from Crazy Rich Asians, was rumored to be tied to Black Panther, too. Oh, okay. And so... As a potential casting for the one Namor. plus one together, sure. you know, people were like, "Oh, maybe he's going to be Namor." Yep. Since then, he's been announced in the Snake Eyes movie. Yeah. So it's kind of like I don't know if he's going to how he's going to be able to do all this, but Black Panther's not until 2022. Yeah. So it's a ways off. But I think Ryan Coogler being back is great. That's fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I heard Michael B. Jordan's going to be back, which is oh, I had not heard that crazy. Like, how are you going to bring back? flashbacks perhaps yeah maybe. someone haunting t'challa in a way yeah like kind of yeah i see what you're saying yeah, yeah. not not actually like a, a corporeal presence but like <laughs> yeah just mentally kind of right. haunting him yeah are you familiar with namor not at all uh have you heard of the submariner nope oh okay well that's that's the name he's more commonly known as namor the submariner okay. he's basically marvel's version of aquaman but okay. a villain Cool. He's, yeah. He starts off as a villain and then becomes like an anti-hero yeah. at one point, like kind of like Venom in the same vein where yeah. like he starts off as a villain and then has these interactions with with both humans and heroes. And then he kind of figures out like, oh, there are bigger fish to fry, so to speak. Sure. And then he becomes like this mm-hmm. force Throwing those for, puns in. <laughs> for good. I'm trying. I'm <laughs> I appreciate trying. it. I've been a dad for six years. I'm trying to be I'm trying to step up my dad joke game. But Sweet. um. Uh, I think Namor would be a good addition to the movie. I think it's kind of like you got like these two sort of worlds that live parallel coming mm-hmm. into conflict with each Hidden other worlds. Yeah. Right. So I like it. Yeah. 
All right, moving off of Marvel and into DC, the CW's Crisis on Infinite Earths is set to be their biggest crossover event yet. The event is set to span across all five shows, Supergirl, Batwoman, The Flash, Arrow, and Legends of Tomorrow. Making the event even bigger are the amount of casting announcements made. So let's take a look at some of this, because some of it's a little mind-blowing. Tyler Hecklin and Elizabeth Tulloch will reprise the roles of Superman and Lois Lane, as previously seen on Supergirl, mm-hmm. while John Cryer will once again appear as Lex Luthor. So those are all people that have been in Supergirl. They're just letting us know they're going to be back for this. Mm-hmm. Cool. LaMonica Garrett will be pulling double duty as both the monitor and the anti-monitor. That is directly from the Crisis comic books. We've seen him play the monitor already on several of the CW shows. He'll be playing also the reverse of that now, the anti-monitor as well, which is just super important for the Crisis storyline. So that's cool. Tom Cavanaugh will play Pariah, a brilliant scientist whose experiments inadvertently sparked the Crisis. Tom Cavanaugh has been playing the reverse Flash in a lot of the Flash already, but he's playing a completely different role in Pariah, which is an interesting thing to do. I don't know if it's the right choice, but they love using Tom Cavanaugh (laughs) everywhere. Uh, Okay, now we get into some of the really cool stuff. So Brandon Routh, who currently plays Ray Palmer slash The Atom on Legends of Tomorrow, will once again step into the role of Superman. Mm -hmm. Previously playing the Man of Steel in Superman Returns, Routh will this time suit up in the costume from Kingdom Come. Which costume is that? It is the uh, it's the future story that was done by Alex Ross. Uh, It's a very like deep blue costume and it has a red S with almost like a black background. And you have the Superman with almost the Reed Richards hair, Uh like the grays on the side. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Ralph is going to be Superman again. That's weird. Pretty cool. Yeah. But I mean, they could have these things happen for like nanoseconds within the show. That's true. Yeah. I think they're going to jam in as much stuff as they can. It's a little mind bending. Like you got two, like a guy who's already a main character on the show. Yeah. Playing a really big name in that universe. Yep. is kind of mind bending. Yeah. I think that's the whole point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for the first time, Black Lightning will interact with the rest of the CW's DC series as Cress Williams will make an appearance as the titular character. So even though that universe is separate than all the other Arrowverse shows, they're throwing him in this as well. Oh, is it separate? Yeah, it's oh, not okay. a part of the Arrowverse. I did not know that. Yeah, and they're like, well, we don't care. Black Lightning's showing up. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the first time they'll kind of touch uh-huh. each other, which is interesting. Uh, while a specific role was not mentioned, producers of Batwoman revealed that Burt Ward would appear. Mm. So the former 60s mm-hmm. Robin yeah. is coming back. We don't know if he's going to play a version of Robin or if he's just going to show up. I think they're I think he's just going to make a cameo. Yeah. Based on the way that they're going about it. Old Robin in the old Robin uniform would be kind of yeah, weird. Yeah. <laughs> just a whole bunch of just a bag of skin. I don't yeah. love that. Yeah. Uh and then the one I am supremely excited for and just made my brain explode when I heard it. Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman for the entirety of Batman the Animated Series and its spinoffs, and the actor who's played the character for over 25 years, will for the first time appear as the character in a live-action production. Conroy will play an aging version of Bruce Wayne from the future. That's pretty cool. I love that. Yeah. Because then you, the audio cue is just enough to, like, you're just automatically convinced. Yes. Oh. Yeah. I mean, he looks the part, too. He does. Yeah, he does look like old Bruce Wayne. Yeah, like Batman Beyond. Yeah. yeah. I love it so much. If they're 
don't even say Batman Beyond because <laughs> if they're if they're teasing that even a little bit. <laughs> what if the first time you saw him, he's wearing like the black suit oh my with like god. the gray turtleneck? Oh my god! <laughs> they will. They're gonna do it. They're gonna do it, and they. Oh, I will watch all Rob's the events just for that. I'm so happy. I'm so happy he gets that too. Yeah, like it he's is always great. been the voice of, and now he actually gets to play on screen as the character. I saw it in passing just in my news feed, and I remember thinking like, "Oh, good, he's gonna no." Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, they could technically have gotten away with doing an animated segment of, or just like using his voice, like, yeah, you know, yeah, like for just anything, a dark shadowy figure sitting in a dark chair, sure. and just have Kevin Conroy's voice, like, oh, you know, like, yeah, I'm so happy. All right, moving away from comic books for a moment, Ewan McGregor has confirmed that he will be reprising the role of Obi Wan Kenobi for a Disney Plus series centered around the iconic Jedi. While shooting is set to begin in 2020, no release date has yet been set for its premiere. Fuck you. <laughs> I love this. I was so fucking excited. Like, I heard it. I was like, yes, because he's like, I, I want to say he's the best Obi-Wan, but I mean, he's like one of two. So, like, it's not like he there's not. A, and he's had more time to yeah, play with the character. Like He's had more screen time overall. Yeah. And so I'm super pumped. Also, just the idea that there could be like a uh, Obi-Wan Darth Maul you know, mm. rematch because, you know, Darth Maul does come back yep. in the Clone Wars series. So to have him come back into the movie and be like the sort of dark presence somehow, fucking amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And this is so they, they wanted to do an Obi-Wan movie. Uh-huh. And this is kind of like the consolation prize. But I'll take it. Yeah. I'd rather watch a series than a movie. It's almost more digestible somehow. Yeah. Like I just admit it, like envision it being a better way to tell the story, especially yeah. like it's obi-wan kenobi i'm one of those people that thinks like we were kind of cheated out of obi-wan in a new hope just because you get like 10 minutes of him and that's it yeah and then you know in the clone wars a little bit or not the clone wars well yeah clone wars but also like the prequels you got a little bit more and so you felt better about it but also you want to see that chunk of time where he's kind of on his own Mm -hmm. right because like did he have like a romantic relationship? Did he stray from the order? Right. Did he become more of a gray Jedi than, you know, like the pure version that he was in the movies? Like, I don't know. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. Also, did you know that Ewan McGregor's brother is a pilot in the Royal Air Force in England? I feel like I heard that at some point. And his his call sign is Obi-2. Is it really? It is. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's so good. Oh, That's I love funny. that. <laughs> It's so great. Seth MacFarlane's homage to Star Trek, The Orville, will make the jump from traditional television to Hulu for the show's upcoming third season. MacFarlane explained that as the show has evolved and become more ambitious, he wouldn't be able to deliver the third season until 2020, which was inconvenient for Fox. Speaking of The Orville, you can hear more about the move to Hulu on my other podcast, Quantum Drive, (laughs) which is dedicated to discussing all things The Orville. Uh, We recently interviewed producer Tom Costantino and senior concept designer Lex Kassar, who both had a lot to say about it. That's good, right? Yeah, I love the fact that it's moving. Like it's continuing and it's continuing on a platform that is conceivably the future sort of of Mm -hmm. television, right? So it has a greater opportunity to grow. Fox does not have a great track record with sci-fi series. Uh So if anything, I see this as a huge positive for the Orville because it's probably saving the show Mm -hmm. from that. Like they had been renewed anyway for season three by Fox, but I think this 
future saves them because I think, and uh, someone uh, mentioned this before, Fox appears to be leaning toward, because they lost so much stuff to Disney, their station leans to, tends to be leaning more towards like sports and news, yep. the things that they still own. Yep. Mm. And those other properties, and Hulu is Disney-owned, so it's kind of taking away from that area, which probably won't be doing shows like that as much, and putting it into an arena where it absolutely fits. The mm-hmm. whole time that show was on, people were like, this is a streaming show on network TV. Mm-hmm. So now it's just a streaming show on a streaming service. Yeah, definitely makes sense. I mean, Fox, you look at the way that they like kind of allocated their their money, at least in the public arena, mm-hmm. you can see them definitely investing more in like sports and also news media to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. But I, from like, I, I'm a sports fan, so I know like just kind of, bits and pieces of information that you pick up from just like articles and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Fox is heavily invested in, I think they're going to try to bid on like one of the big four sports to like carry them mm, as right. like their main thing. And so, you know, well, that's they even gonna, picked up WWE. Yeah, they, they, that's true. I don't know what it was. So it was for them to host, contract for SmackDown. Yeah. So yeah. for them to host a show like the Orville kind of doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So it's good that it's moving to a platform and a platform like Hulu where that is, the future of that type of TV, yep, I think. Absolutely. And Hulu will believe in them. You know, and that's a big thing. Yeah. The platform that you're operating on mm-hmm. has to believe in you. Yeah. And if Hulu's 100%. like, yeah, do your thing, we'll back you. Yeah. I mean, it, it should add and a lot of lifeblood. Fans of the Orville go listen to Quantum Drive, you know? Yeah. We like the, we have a, there's a podcast on this very network that caters to that audience. So go check it out, please. Uh, the live action series Doom Patrol has been renewed for a second season on DC Universe, but will also simultaneously release on Warner Media's forthcoming streaming service, HBO Max. Young Justice has also been renewed, with the fourth season to release exclusively on DC Universe. Having Doom Patrol come out on two different streaming services is an odd move. That sounds to me like, I don't know, like just, it doesn't make sense. I'm, no. I agree with you. Having the two services share a show does not make business sense at least in my head i don't know i'm not that heavily invested in that field but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense from that perspective either agreed but i mean doom patrol i for some reason in my mind i get doom patrol and umbrella academy like they same vibe they're similarly toned yeah in the sense that they're very off the norm superhero shows and also like very like the same color palette yeah like true for some reason in my mind i just see them both and i'm like which one am I talking about again? I'm still trying to figure out why Warner's is doing two different streaming services in the mm. sense that they technically own everything on DC Universe and now they're launching HBO Max. Why not put them together? Yeah, yeah. it seems odd. Maybe it's just a branding thing. I don't know. Maybe. It also feels weird that they're calling it HBO Max. Yeah. Tell people it's Warner Brothers. I think we, I don't know, maybe HBO is the more recognizable brand. Yeah, I think so. But but Warner Brothers. <laughs> if you're trying, I mean, well, yeah, I was just saying, HBO is more recognizable than Warner and Brothers. And HBO feels still, even though it had Game of Thrones, still feels like a movie channel in my brain. Maybe Absolutely. I'm just old school thinking, and I'm not up to modern brand well, think, identities. But I think now HBO has a lot more in terms of series. I think they do. Yeah. So I think maybe they're trying to somehow work that together somehow. I guess I don't know. It's an odd move. Either way. Amazon has revealed that season four of The Expanse, the first since acquiring the show from sci-fi, will premiere on Prime Video on December 13th, 2019, not too far away. I keep eyeballing this show. Yeah? To watch it. 
It's good. And I, I'm and, told it's a big deal. And I go, I'm like, Ashley, you want to watch it? And she's like, mm. and I'm like, mm. if you I like, just, if you like sci-fi on it and going, I should just hit the button. Yeah. If you like sci-fi and you like gritty sci-fi, yeah. it's great. And I mean, you already have Amazon Prime, yeah. so why not? I'm told it is worth watching. People who are friends of mine who have a taste for sci-fi mm-hmm. are very much into it. And so when they announced that season four was coming, they were very much excited. Mm-hmm. Right. So I like I'm with you. Like it's one of those shows that like personally, and I'm th- I'm sure the same as with you, Mike. Like we don't have a lot of time, like free time. I have about an hour every night. So you, so you're very digest something. So you're very picky and choosy about what you, what you put into your brain. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's like, and it's one of those shows where like, it didn't have a good press run, I think, because it was on Mm sci-fi. And so people tend to think of sci-fi stuff as campy. Um, But I think, I feel like that's definitely what hurt it more than anything. Yeah. And so with so many like sort of like diehard fans of the expanse, both, supporting the show while it was on and being very excited about it coming back it's for season four like it's kind of pushed me more towards like maybe i'll invest some time in this because i'm not a huge sci-fi fan i like sci-fi but it's just something about the seeing the show and not having it being as recognizable as i would like it to be i just it keeps me from pressing the button Mm -hmm. i would arguably say that the expanse is the most legit show that sci-fi has ever produced Mm. really I don't I don't disagree. I from what I've heard it's yeah, it's probably it's solid. Up there. Yeah. Additionally, it was announced during the Television Critics Association Summer Press Tour that the show has already been renewed for season 5 oh. ahead of its season 4 debut. Wow. So they've got faith in it. I mean, yeah, it's got to have legs to yeah. do that, so. So you know going in already, you get 5 seasons if mm-hmm. you plan on starting now. Following the acquisition of Paws, Inc., the rights holder to the beloved lasagna-eating cat, Viacom has announced that a new series surrounding the long-running comic strip character Garfield is in the works at Nickelodeon. Originally created by Jim Davis in 1978 as a comic strip in newspapers, the orange cat has become a media phenomena in the years since, with numerous TV series and specials being spawned featuring Lorenzo Music voicing the titular character, as well as two live-action CGI hybrid films with Bill Murray lending his voice. While the animated series is in the works, Davis will continue to produce the syndicated comic strip. He's like 74 years old, wow. still making new Garfield comics. Did you guys buy those books when you were kids? Yes. All Garfield of them. Yeah. I owned, ones. Yeah. yeah. By the time I stopped collecting them, I owned every single one. I, yeah. I still have them in like a bin over there. I had I had a lot of them, and then my parents got rid of them when I went to college. Oh, that's sad. That was so sad. Yeah. Like, I mean, I just remember, like, that was the one reason, like, going to the bookstore was so awesome, was that, yeah. like, you know, when you were a little kid, it was Berenstain Bears. Mm-hmm. And then when you got to a certain age, it was like, oh, yeah, Garfield. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, there was, like, my parents had no problems buying that for me because it was like, I mean, I guess they didn't understand it for some reason, mm-hmm. or they just thought it was harmless. And I thought it was hilarious. Like, it was like a great, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, 30 minutes of reading per book. Like, it was awesome. And it was a big in to comic books for me yeah. in general. This is very, like, tame. Yeah. Like, like not a lot of, like, vi- I mean, no color, yep. if I remember correctly. And, I mean, it was very sort of, like, PG yeah. humor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the obsession that I have with Batman... That when I was growing up, that obsession extended to mm-hmm. Garfield. Yeah. I love that character to the mm-hmm. point where the only pet that I ever really had, my cat, I named Garfield. Nice. Not even knowing that it was a girl. <laughs> <laughs> and then it, it became Garfy for short for okay. a long, long time. But 
uh, yeah, I absolutely love that character, and I love that Nickelodeon's getting the reins of it because they've they've done very well for a lot of cartoons. Mm-hmm. So it kind of matches their whole vibe. Absolutely, yeah. definitely in the right hands. Happy to see it. Lastly, Walt Disney Animation Studios has revealed their next feature film as Raya and the Last Dragon, a new story inspired by the culture of Southeast Asia and regions including Thailand, Vietnam, Cambodia, Malaysia, Indonesia, and Laos. 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 Directed by Paul Briggs and Dean Wellens and written by Crazy Rich Asian screenwriter Adele Lim, the film stars Cassie Steele as the voice of Rhea with Aquafina voicing the dragon Sisu. In the film, a lone warrior from the fantasy kingdom of Kumandra teams up with a crew of misfits in her quest to find the last dragon and bring light and unity back to their world. Rhea and the Last Dragon will be released in theaters on November 26, 2020. I'm I think it's a it's good like in terms of entertainment and media in relation to like Asians and like the Asian cultures. Mm -hmm. You see a lot of like China, Japanese, China, Japan and Korea. Mm -hmm. Right. A lot of East Asia. So for them to go to like Southeast Asia and explore like the countries that are maybe a little bit less known, Mm -hmm. I think, culturally is a good thing. Um, I think I know that dragons in the Southeast Asian culture are far more interesting. Like they play more roles in like the sort of folk tales. Sure. So I think that's a good like outlet for having a dragon in a show. Aquafina is great. I can't, she's good at comedy. She's been crushing it. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited to just see another original Disney story. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And and more traditional animation style. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like it's not CGI. This is, Oh, animated Disney yeah. movie. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited for what that we've alone. All been asking for. Yeah. yeah. I mean, original. I love CGI. I'm not going to complain about that, mm-hmm. but I, I do miss seeing the classic animation yeah. a little bit. That is all we're going into. I know there's tons of other Comic-Con and D23 news, but we can't cover absolutely everything. I thought that was kind of the highlights. So as we get out of here, final thought or something you would like to plug, Mike Volpe. No, just uh, spay and neuter your pets. Thanks, Bob Barker. You got it. Paul O. Don't you sell supplements? Yeah. He never I, wants I, to I sell his stuff. Myself. I don't know why. I don't know. I'm a terrible salesman. <laughs> I have other people who do all that work for me. I'll I'll plug Volpe okay. shit. Do it. I genuinely have nothing. Do it. <laughs> Volpe makes supplements. Go buy them. SBVsupplements.com. That's right. There you go. He also owns two gyms. So if you're in the New England area and you happen to want to work out in Rhode Island or Connecticut, westerlyfitness.com. Is the other one also StaffordFitnessClub.com. StaffordFitnessClub.com. Go work out. Meet the man. I feel weird plugging myself. It's a weird thing. I don't know. I just feel this weird thing. Fine, fine. We'll sell your shit for you. Paul always sells my shit when somebody else to no end. Uh, Anyway, the Geek Generation is part of the Geek Generation Network. If you like this show, be sure to check out our other podcasts at thegeekgeneration.com. If you use Apple Podcasts, please rate the show and write a review. We may even read your review on an upcoming episode. Watch our live events at twitch.tv slash thegeekgeneration. I've actually been inviting other streamers onto the channel to do like little showcase streams of new games. That's a thing that's been happening a lot frequently. You can support this show and get access to exclusive bonus content by visiting our Patreon campaign at thegeekgeneration.com slash support. Continue the conversation with us on our Discord server at thegeekgeneration.com slash Discord. Send emails with your questions and comments to podcast at thegeekgeneration.com. And as always, the show theme is provided by Machine Supremacy. A link to their site can also be found on our site. 
We'll be back soon, hopefully, with more geeky stuff for you, and we will see you then. Later. See ya. Make it so.